0: Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel podcast. Throughout each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We cultivate leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we're encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we'll be hearing from Dr. Matt Hinsley. Dr. Matt Hensley serves as the associational missionary of the Collin Baptist Association and as one of the pastors of First Baptist Church Farmersville. He earned his undergraduate degree at Dallas Baptist University and pursued graduate work at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he earned an MDiv and DMIN in church revitalization. In addition to over two decades of ministry experience, he has served Southern Baptist in several capacities. He previously led Mountain Valley Baptist Association's church planning efforts and served the Baptist Convention of New Mexico as the first vice president from 2020 to 2021. More recently, he served as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Pastors Conference in 2022 and on the Leadership Council of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. He aims to encourage pastors in the trenches of gospel ministry and serve well as a pastor, associational missionary, professor, professor, church revitalization consultant, author, recording artist, and podcast co-host of Not Another Baptist Podcast. Without further ado, Dr. Matt Hensley.
1: As soon as Kendall said that uh, he he likes coffee, I said, I can tell. So I got to ask, how many cups of coffee have you had thus far today? Only two? So keep him away from the coffee bar. He needs no more caffeine today. It is such an honor to uh, to be here. Grateful for the ministry of Chris Will Seminary, and uh, and I want to jump right into it and uh, and just go ahead and maybe send you out a flare of uh, my heartbeat is is encouraging pastors, encouraging leaders, encouraging people. And uh, one of the things we all know is uh, life is awesome, but it can be hard at times. Ministry is awesome but it can be hard at times. Leadership is awesome, but it can be hard at times And we need people in our corners and to encourage one another and to help one another persevere. And so as you're thinking through this sermon and what I have to share today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 17. I want you to keep that in mind that we are there to encourage one another, to help one another, uh, to, to lift people up when they are struggling. And so that's my hope today and my prayer. And, and I have people that are praying for me right now. Uh, that there would be somebody in this room that could just use a little bit of encouragement, and I pray that today their prayer will be answered because raise your hand, and I can't see you anyway, except I do see the Dallas Cowboys fan uh, sticking out a little bit. Uh, But raise your hand if you feel like you are over-encouraged, that you will just die if you get any more encouragement. Okay, good. So then... Everybody in this room that could use a little encouragement uh dig in and uh to God's word to get together uh today because after being in ministry for about 20 years now one of the things that I realize is thank God for good friends. Thank God for brothers, sisters in Christ that can push you on, encourage you, help you, all of that sort of thing. Because a few years ago, I was in the process of being called to Pastor Mayhill Baptist Church, uh, which you haven't heard of, and I hadn't either. I didn't even know where it was on the map. And they would say, it's by Cloudcroft. I'm like, where's that? It's by Ruidoso. Where's that? Well, it's south of Albuquerque. South of Albuquerque, about five hours. So uh, (laughs) there's nothing in this area, but that's where God called us. But I arrived there very very wounded two years of nearly daily panic attacks severe anxiety depression it had me on the ropes not just for ministry but life and God had given me a friend during that season a mentor by the name of Dr. Dick Sisk a pastor of a small tiny church about an hour away from me you don't know him you maybe have never heard of him but this man in a tiny town was a lifesaver. We would meet just about every single week and talk ministry and just encourage one another. Really, that was a one-way street. He was aiming to encourage me, to to help me persevere. And Dr. Sisk did most of that encouraging because I I was struggling. I was barely hanging on by a thread. And it's not an overstatement to say that I am standing up here right now because of God's grace and for people like Dr. Sisk. And after two years of that spiritual warfare, Dr. Sisk helped me land that opportunity at Mayhill Baptist Church in the literal middle of nowhere, a town of 56 people, that we took the population to 62, plus three dogs. And, uh, and so we came there. My very first call was from a guy named Dr. Kyle Bierman, and we now have a podcast together, and we both envy Dr. Barry Kramer in the greatest podcast name of all time. Like, you just cannot have a better one than that. Uh, but my very first call came from Dr. Bierman, and uh, he was a pastor of a small church about an hour away from our little church in Mayhill, and, and we hit it off great because we were literally the only two people in our association that were under 40 years old. And the only two still had kids at home. And so we were kind of that same boat together, same similar church dynamics, all of that sort of thing. And most of the pastors around us were old enough to be our great grandfathers or grandfathers. And so we linked arms together to really lead our churches through revitalization. One of the best parts about our friendship seemed to be the knack for our alternates or our alternating of good days and in bad days. On a week when Kyle's church rebuffed an attempt to get them out of debt and on a road to stability, and he was barely, str- or barely hanging on, our church had the highest attendance in our history. And so being the good friend that I am, of course I didn't rub that in. Uh, I did. On a week when one of our members attempted suicide, suicide, Kyle's church had some of the first baptisms they had had in months. And so on and on. It, it seemed like days that I was on cloud nine, he was down below. And, and I was able to encourage him and vice versa. When, when he was on cloud nine and I was barely hanging on, he was able to encourage me. And so that just kind of became the theme of our friendship. Because one of the things we realize is ministry is awesome. Amen? Leadership is awesome. Amen. Life is awesome. Amen. But it can be hard at times. Biting sheep, struggles at home, financial problems, loss or just facing straight up spiritual warfare can make it hard to persevere in ministry and life in general when it seems like there's nobody in your corner. No one lifting you up. And though we have Jesus as Emmanuel, God, with us, it sure helps to have friends in the flesh that can keep us faithful. I'm here today because of a guy like Dr. Sisk, and because of that, I try to be a guy like that to Kyle. And we need friends in the flesh to help us remain faithful as we lead our ministries, our families, and everything else. And I think a great example that we have for that is guys like Aaron and her. Exodus chapter 17. Our text this morning will be Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16. And so if you found it, say, I got it. it. And if you're able, stand with me as we read God's inerrant word together in Exodus 17, verse 8 through the end of the chapter. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar And called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is the word of God. Let's pray as we study it this morning. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that have been sung, just the joy that's in this place. Lord, I thank you for what has happened at Will College, what is happening at Will College, and what we believe you are going to do in and through Chriswell College in the future. But Lord, now we come to your word and just ask that you would open our eyes to see in this text what you want us to see, our ears to hear what you want us to hear, but most of all, our heart to receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love ministry. All all of that kind of sappy story at the front end might make you think I don't love it. I love ministry ministry i really do but man have you ever grown tired of members griping members grumbling i remember a season when Mayhill hill baptist had experienced just rapid growth from about 30 to to well over 150 people praise god right it was an amazing work of his hand not mine yeah but this this person took my pew pastor or these kids are coming into the sanctuary with a cup of coffee Right. All the different, you know, oh, the music's too loud. I don't like that new song that we sang. Why'd you change the bulletin? It was just gripe after gripe after gripe serve in ministry for a week or two. And you are going to hear your share of gripes and grumbles, but that's nothing new. So to set the stage for this text, the Israelites were at Rephidim, yet another place without water, and the Israelites were thirsty, and as usual, they made that rather known to Moses. Right? They weren't subtle about this. And so despite being delivered from many toils, dangers, snares, they still grumbled as effortlessly as blinking. And Moses is sick and tired of it. In verse 2, he snaps, why are you complaining to me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people snapped right back. Why did you ever bring us out of Egypt just to kill us? And while annoyed by their grumbling, Moses is worried at this point that they're going to stone him, that they're going to kill him. Still, Moses does the only thing he could do. He turned to God for help, and the Lord answers in verse 5, Go ahead of the people with some of the elders of Israel, and, oh, take that staff of yours. You're going to need it. We see that verse 6. I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock of Horeb, and when you hit the rock, water will come out of it, and the people will drink, and that's exactly what Moses does. But then come the Amalekites. Talk about trial upon trial, battle upon battle, thirst upon thirst, which brings us to our text. Israel versus Amalek, Joshua on the battlefield, while Moses, Aaron and her make their way up to the top of the hill. And so y'all, the main idea here, I believe, is simple and it couldn't be timelier pastors leaders really people in general are weary i i asked just a moment ago to raise your hand if you felt like you were at risk of being over encouraged and this entire room kept their their hands down right so there are people that are struggling people that are weary we're we're weary maybe from battling covid and and seems like there's an election season coming up so maybe that's coming back and maybe there's bickering in our convention right we need guys like aaron guys like her friends like aaron and her friends in the flesh in our corners to keep us in the fight and so as we study this text we will see the battle in verses 8 through 10 the boys in verses 11 through 13 and the banner in verses 14 through 16 because i thought i'd be a good southern baptist and alliterate this today kendall so look back at verses 8 through 10 to see this battle that is underway in our text then amalek came and fought with israel at rephidim and so moses said to joshua choose for us men and go out and fight with amalek tomorrow i will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of god in my hand and so joshua did as moses told him and fought with amalek while moses aaron and her went up to the top of the hill y'all might remember in, Exodus 13, 17, and 18, that when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea, and the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle, and that's what they found. Battle upon battle is what they got, one after another, sometimes from without, often from within. This battle was yet another battle from without the Amalekites and we see in the text that Joshua stays on the battlefield to lead the fight while Moses is planning to to head up to the top of the hill with God's staff in hand we see that happen in verse 10 as Joshua is fighting while Moses Aaron and her go to the top of the hill but we'll get to them a little bit later all right in my work with pastors I see much of the same We're tired from silly arguments within our churches. Can they have coffee in the sanctuary or not? Can I change the bulletin or not? Can I introduce this song or not? Or heaven forbid, I I shared a a post, a meme the other day uh, of a guy... Full armor out there where, you know, it's the pastor standing there after, uh, you know, preaching, studying for 15 hours and preaching what he believed was a faithful text from the word of God. And he's standing in the foyer and then an arrow right through the helmet that says it's too cold in the sanctuary right there's some of the silliest complaints that we get as pastors as leaders and so we're tired of those at times we're tired of the petty fights that we have to fight from without and and from within the good fight though we know must go on right the kingdom must be advanced still we're tired maybe with the pastors that i serve at times baptisms are down The budget is lagging. Deacons are nagging. We've all been there. Perhaps you are there if you're a pastor or or the son of a pastor, daughter of a pastor. Perhaps you are there. If not, you will be there. Friends, the battle is worth it. And we must fight it, but we must remember it belongs to the Lord. It's his kingdom that we must advance, not ours. Right? It's his word that we must declare, not ours. He only asks that we remain faithful, which is what we see in Joshua in the text. So Joshua did as Moses told him. Joshua did as instructed and fought against Amalek. Spurgeon noted that Joshua never grew weary in the fighting, but Moses did. Grow weary in the praying. And that's what brings us to our next point. Look back at verses 11 through 13 as we look at the boys. And yes, that was kind of stretching for that, that second B there. So look at the boys in verses 11 through 13. So we've got Joshua down, he's fighting. We've got Moses, Aaron, and her going up to the top of the hill. And we read in the text that whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed but moses's hands grew weary so they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it while aaron and her held up his hands one on one side and the other on the other side so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and joshua overwhelmed amalek and his people with the sword it's simple enough right it's really simple as long as moses's hands are up israel prevails once they drop They start to lose. And I can kind of picture Joshua maybe noticing that, like, hey, put it back up. We're struggling here. Right? But as soon as his hands go down, Amalek starts to prevail. But the text tells us, though, that his hands grow weary. And so Aaron and Hur got to work. They brought him a recliner, right? They got him a place to sit, right? Sit down. So Aaron and Hur helped him rest, right? But there was still a battle. Raging. And Moses' arms are still heavy, so they get on either side of him and they support his hands. Aaron and Hur kept the hands up until the battle could be won. And that's just what happens as you look in the text. And so with Moses' weary arms held high by Aaron and Hur, Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The battle was won. Why? Because Moses had some friends in the flesh that kept him in the fight some commentators point out that moses's arms being held high was an example of a prayer if so that teaches us something too that joshua's fight with the sword was just as critical as moses's fight with prayer right the good fight must be fought but not without prayer not without guys like her guys like aaron guys in our corner guys helping us rest helping us stay in the fight so many of our churches battle against them themselves. And if you can last two minutes on Twitter, which I don't recommend, you can see pastors fighting amongst themselves. Right? I had a Aaron and a her and Dr. Sisk and Kyle. I try to do the same for pastors in my association and beyond. I hope you guys have guys like that in your life too. We need more, not less, guys to help us rest. Guys to help us fight. Guys to help us move forward in victory. Friends in the flesh to help us move forward. But y'all quickly, that's still not enough. While Joshua had Moses, Moses had Aaron and Hur, the real hero of the story is neither Joshua, Moses, Aaron, or Hur, but the banner that was raised over them. Look back at verses 14-16. through 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Y'all, while the importance of each of these people in this story cannot be overstated, Joshua's faithfulness to fight, Moses' power in prayer, Aaron and Hur's helpful hands, none of them are the true heroes of the story, God is. Joshua needed to fight, Moses needed to pray, Aaron and Hur needed to help, but it was God who won the victory. Therefore, Moses builds an altar and names it the Lord is my manner. This was a call to confess and acknowledge God was the victor, the strength of his people. Moses reminds the people of this in Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19 as he urged them not to forget what Amalek did nor how God responds. Right? The victory was won because the battle belonged to the Lord. Friends, there's a battle being fought today. Sure, there's skirmishes in our churches, infighting in our convention, but we're picking the wrong enemies. It's not one another. It's not knuckleheaded. Church members, it's not keyboard warriors. Paul tells us what our enemy is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. I think he's describing New York Yankee fans. And we can't struggle or fight against that on our own. You can't. We need to fight like Joshua. Pray like Moses. Help like her and Aaron. Remembering that we are defeated. We are fighting a defeated foe. Really important to fix that. We are fighting a defeated foe. He'll still hiss and claw but jesus wins the day for all eternity until then we press on fight the good fight stay faithful in prayer and help our fellow friends in the flesh in the trenches i think i'm out of time Kendall. but i want to make just one more point if i may is that okay that brings us to our so what why this matters how we can apply this today joshua couldn't fight without moses praying Moses couldn't pray without Aaron and her helping and all four would have been powerless if God wasn't fighting through and in them. Right, and the same is true today. There's going to be times that you need to be down in the battlefield and fight and stay there. There's going to be times that you need to be in the prayer closet and stay there. We need to be ready for both. But we also need to keep our heads on a swivel to look for people we can help people we can lift up, people we can encourage. Maybe, just maybe, in a day when we have more than our fair share of mudslingers, we could use a few more arm lifters, some guys like Aaron and her in our corners. As I pray, I encourage you to think of some people in your own circle Maybe it's even at your table in a classroom. Maybe somebody you haven't heard from in a while. Somebody that God brings to mind, even as I pray. Ask God to bring to mind somebody that you can encourage, somebody you can lift up. And then be ready to fight the good fight. Pray and help as God leads you to do, knowing that the battle is his, not yours. Okay, let's pray. God, as we begin this time, or as we wind down this time, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the lessons that we can see in Aaron and her, the lesson in Moses, the lesson in Joshua. A sermon could be preached on each and every one of these. When to fight, how to fight. When to pray, how to pray. When to help, how to help. <laughs> but most of all, we, we're just reminded of how great You are in this text. Or the faithfulness of Joshua to fight, faithfulness of moses to pray the faithfulness of aaron and her to help but lord it was you working in through or even in spite of them to bring the victory lord the same is true today you've called some of us to lead songs called some of us to preach sermons called all of us to make disciples but you've called all of us to make a difference lord we thank you for that that fight that you have called us to fight we can't do without prayer we can't do without encouragement and help Lord we also have to remind ourselves that we're not building our kingdom. this institution isn't building the Criswell College kingdom we're advancing your kingdom fighting for you with you by you help us Lord and as we pray I pray that whoever this was that you brought to mind for us and They could use some encouragement that before the sun goes down today, that text would be sent, that call would be made, that hug will be given, whatever it's needed, to somebody that we know could use a little encouragement. Find us faithful in that. Help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Let's give Dr. Hensley another can clap. What a word, powerful word, and it's also very timely in the culture that we're living in right now. Uh, You said not only um, are we in need of having people around us that encourage us, but I think about that friend piece. Aaron and her helping Moses out like that in the text, but also thinking about how sometimes in ministry and in all of our callings, we tend to think that we somehow have to go it alone hmm. and that that's the only way that things will work in our lives. Where do you think that headspace came from and do you see that changing, especially with the younger uh, generation coming up in ministry?
1: I think and uh, I saw the time in the back and, and I have a, kind of the, the closing, the actual good part of my sermon I didn't preach, um, so this was bad. I'm just kidding. No, uh, you're good. How how the, these two are largely invisible. You know, Aaron and her. Uh, you know, hers not really. You know, mentioned again or, or more after that. And and yet it's easy. And I I try to when when I look at sermons and I study sermons, I, I try to put myself in their sandals. You know, they're not wearing Nikes, I guess. Wearing sandals, whatever. And like, what were they thinking? Like in that, like in that moment, because these are real people, and, and I'm I'm kind of picturing in my mind like Joshua down there, you know, fighting, doing his thing. It's like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? The YMCA? Like I'm just in my mind, like I've got ADD, so that's helps me, you know, move on. You're in good company, Matt. Move on. Uh, uh, this inner conversation, but I'm like, I, I see that with Joshua of like, bro, I'm doing this all. Like I've got to do everything. What are these guys like? And so in ministry, it's like that because sometimes it be like that. You know, you, you are, at, at Mayhill, I was a pianist. I was a song leader. I was a guy opening up. I was a guy locking up. I was a guy turning on the air conditioning, pretending to turn it down when people would complain. I never turned it down, by the way. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I was the one helping with VBS. I was the one, you know, filling in some these. It becomes that sometimes in smaller churches. And, and it can feel like that in uh, some of our churches, especially that are more rural, where you're not even close to another pastor. So you don't have somebody else like you, you know, maybe for 30 minutes. And so when it comes to, to ministry or leadership, it's easy for those to become isolated because if it's, you know, worth doing, it's worth doing right. Or if it's, you know, and, and, but at the same time, what God started to do in my heart was this call that we have to release ministry. And so to raise up those that would be doing the music, raise up those that would be helping in the VBS, and raise up those, you know, and so having that. And wouldn't have that without those in my corner encouraging me to do that, you know, because you're gonna burn out, all that kind of stuff. Does that answer your question? Because oh, ADD no, took over. I oh no, a, no, you
2: did a great uh, job there. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, you mentioned saying that, you know, in the message that it's not, uh, our kingdom that we advance it's yeah. it's his it's the lord's kingdom yeah. uh from a practical sense in an everyday scenario getting up having two three four cups of coffee uh what would that look like would you say
1: yeah i think first is it's a posture um that when when i'm going out door to door you know for first baptist church farmersville which is the place we go uh i i am Often in, in my mind, like, hey, I'm I'm out there not just to invite them to church. I'm there because I have the greatest news of the world to give them. And they probably could use a little good news. And and so it, it's this mindfulness of thinking, I'm not out there to build a brand, build a platform, you know, or build a you know, grow up my own church, my own kingdom, that kind of thing. I'm out there to tell people about Jesus. And uh and so, you know, it's like the old quote, you know preach the gospel, die and be forgotten, that everybody remembers the guy's name, which is ironic. But it's like that idea of just, hey, just tell people about Jesus and and let that be the focus that, you know, if your church grows because of that, great. If, you know, the, the college grows because of that, great. You know, but our, our focus is to tell people about Jesus, get more people into the kingdom.
2: And then final question from me. I apologize. You'll have a chance here in a minute. But um, one of the things that I've heard, Uh, for example from my mentor and also former pastor uh, he told me that when you're not out here bragging and you're simply just doing as God has asked you to do preaching the gospel sharing the gospel with people that the Lord opens doors for you you don't even have to worry about promoting yourself the Lord takes care of all of that as long as you're just doing exactly what the Lord has asked you to do being obedient have you seen that happen for you as well in real time
1: at at Mayhill for example uh, when we arrived, so we've got two of my girls here that are super extroverted. Make sure you talk to them before the end of the day. Uh, they will probably start running. Uh, but Cadence and Leah, uh, we've got four girls, and they became the kids' ministry at our church uh, when we got there. There's you know, one or two that were there. There are not very many. Everybody in the church were senior adults and up, uh, kind of Ryan Jesperson's age uh (laughs) see him in the back there ryan so everybody look back there ryan and the that guy is an Aaron and a her he 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 is somebody that encourages here in dallas encourages pastors great brother like that uh but all of that said in mayhill like the um the bones were good as they said Uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of desire to grow. There wasn't a whole, you know, they would say, you know, Hey, we want to grow. We want to reach new people that started happening. Wait, let's slow down. But what I started to do was, and it, y'all just could tell it wasn't from the preaching, but I just preached and we knocked on doors and we loved people and we tried to meet needs. We did all of that kind of stuff. And very rapidly and very quickly, it started to gain some traction and, and grew uh, to when we left about 188, you know, people uh, in a town of 56, uh, where they were. We don't even know where they were coming from because we had knocked every house, you know, multiple times, and some of them never came. Uh, but God just really blessed there, and you know, ended up here in the role that I have. Largely because I wasn't just out there, hey, look at my great sermons or whatever. I just, I lived to encourage pastors. Even when my girls know when we go to Disney or whatever, like we just want to get to Disney but dad found out there's a pastor in Shreveport, so we're going to stop in Shreveport for Whataburger and eat with him and hang out for a while, then find dinner and like, you know, Jackson with the pastor, and so we just make our whole way there, stopping at pastors like every state, and uh, and so that was just our lifestyle, and then um, that's largely the role of a DOM, AMS, is, is encouraging pastors, and so kind of
2: Deeply relational—that's yeah. a blessing. Praise the Lord. Which
1: is great for an introvert. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> so.
2: Well, we have a student body right here. I know there's got to be a question in there, so out there somewhere. Oh, there we go. Let's start over here to my left. Yes, sir. Won't you? That would be great. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Uh, so I just had a quick question. Um, with our generation just being so discouraging and just being so quick to tear one another down, uh, what are some ways that you would give our generation some encouragement to build each other up and just to like, start encouraging each other? I'm uh, just reminded of how it costs literally nothing. To be kind, Um, and I I find at least in myself is if I pray in the morning, Lord help me be faithful to share Your Word today or to what you know. And it's on my mind. um, Usually, it's not not necessarily. I mean, they they're divine appointments because there's a point a person there. Uh, But it's I just find myself in those opportunities. Uh, not magically, but I think because my mind is fixed on witnessing and evangelizing, and I think the same thing could be true. Is you know, God just help me to be kind to somebody that's hurting uh, today and lift them up. And you will inevitably—we just raised our hands or didn't raise our hands earlier. You're now surrounded by people in this room that could use an encouraging word. And so, uh, the short answer to what would I say to people that are discouraging and all of that? It would just be stop that. Uh, But the other answer would be, you know, God, help me be kind and just, hey, you know, uh, my mentor now, Dr. Uh, Matt Queen, his evangelism approach that has most most related to me is, has anybody told you today God loves you? And uh, unfortunately, like he lives for the day that one day, yeah, you know, one of your church members just told me a few minutes, you know, that's what he lives for. But inevitably, nobody has said that. Let me tell you how. And something like that, you know, has anybody told you today God loves you or, or something said quickly, said in a quick conversation to a waiter, waitress, cashier, um, you know, somebody that you pass can be quick and can maybe turn that day completely right side up and encourage them and perhaps uh, sow a seed to be able to share the gospel with them you know, deeply. So I think just a posture of aiming to encourage people and be kind.
2: Thank you so much. We had another hand there. Yes,
0: sir. So uh, my question was, how do you, how do you balance, you know, it's, it's Moses that's the one holding his hands up, right? That's the people are prevailing when he's holding his hands up, praying to God or whatever. Uh, how do you balance seeing that? I mean, Aaron and her realize he's the one doing it, so we got to prop his hands up, right, uh, with humility. And then also, what's the difference between that and, for example, when they bring the ark into battle thinking, oh, we're going to win because we have the ark of God, and they're actually defeated and the ark's yeah. taken away. Um, so I guess what's the difference there if you've thought about that? And then how do you maintain humility being the one through whom that work's being done?
1: Yeah, well, ho- hopefully, in, in my mind, with, if that is, as, as commentators suggested, a posture of prayer— uh, that goes a long way for humility of knowing that God is working in and through them um, to bring about the victory that yes he 's using joshua 's faithfulness to fight yes he 's using moses 's prayer and and Aaron and her helping him do that but it 's ultimately god that 's that 's getting the victory and uh, and i didn 't think ahead or behind you know to the ark or whatever so I have no idea how to answer that question, but that 's when when I look back at Mayhill, I look back at even our four girls, all that kind of stuff. Prayer as a desperation, uh, it it can't be overstated of our need for God. Uh, As I say often, that God has worked so amazingly in, through, but mostly in spite of me. Um, Goes a long way, not as a humble brag, but I'm an idiot. And Ryan just said amen. I could hear him. (laughs) because he has to listen to the mistakes that I make because I call like Ryan what do I do now Um, but this idea of we desperately need you God to move through this sermon Um, that this word that I'm about to preach is you know that what I'm preaching is not inerrant infallible inspired all of that I, I hope it's inspired I hope that it's true I hope it's without error but what I'm preaching from is and so help me highlight that like All of those things go a long way in reminding how small we are, how easy it is for us to mess up, and how big our God is, yet he still loves us and still wants to hear from us and work through us.
2: Amen. Excellent question. Excellent answer. Yeah. Um, Um, uh, As the praise team comes up, I believe we have one other question. Is that right?
1: It depends if it's easy or hard.
2: (laughs) Oh, yes. Go right ahead.
1: How you doing, Dr. Hensley? Hey. Uh,
2: I just wanted to ask you, who was your spiritual father, as per se, who discipled
1: you? And when did you know when it was time to be his, Aaron, and her? Uh, So Ronnie Adams, uh, I was raised kind of up the road from here at First Baptist Church in Grand Prairie. And uh, when I, so again, proving my ADD, um, I was a busy redhead kid um, and active and crazy. And my mom would sit me on the front row because she thought if I was right in front of the preacher, that I wouldn't be distracted by everything else. Um, eventually, it somehow worked. And I realized I was a sinner, needed a savior. And my mom was like, hey, um, you know, today's the day, da 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 da, and, and all of that. Well, immediately there, Ronnie Adams just took an interest in me. He was the associate pastor at the church, uh, elderly brother, um, and started taking me to nursing home visits, hospital visits, and really believed uh, that God was going to use me somehow and just really felt led to pour into me and reminded me often that ministry is not the sermons that we preach, not only the sermons that we preach. It's the relationships that we build, the, you know, the care that we give to our members, people that are forgotten in the nursing homes, that kind of deal. And, uh, and that went a long way into my ministry of even as a youth pastor of um, still visiting. I can be loud. Uh, still visiting. Oh, it's still on. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they turned it off because I'm way out of time. Well, but still visiting church members, whether they're 90 years old or, you know, 19, like just being there. Uh, so Ronnie was that guy for me, discipling me, raising me up. And uh, and then in these later years, now anytime we're into Grand Prairie or whatever, that's the first place we usually stop is he's still living and going in. And uh, to be able to pray for him, to still thank him uh, for what he's done. And, and one day, just a quick neat story, because you need somebody like this, I go into Ronnie's house. And we were just sharing, him, you know, sharing with him what God had been doing and all of that kind of stuff. He said, I need to show you something. And he came and brought me a little journal. And on every single page, every single date, he had our name or Rebecca's name and whatever he was praying for that day. When he knew we had had a miscarriage, you know, he was praying for, for that, that God would you know, comfort us, that it would give us peace. And then in another color would write, answers to prayer at different times and I was able to flip through that book and really see my life written out um, you know, at least stuff that he knew in those answers to prayer like two of the four that are right here but they're teenagers right now so I'm not sure I'm just kidding uh, but you know these answers to prayer and all of that seeing how God was faithful through one simple man's journal uh, that he kept for me or kept for himself of how he was praying for me
2: Excellent. Dr. Hensley, thank you so much. Let's clap our hands for him for sharing. Thank you, you, sir.
0: Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell College Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit Criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.